good afternoon. Thanks for joining us for Mentoring Young Worship Leaders. My name is Joanna Wigboldy, and I am from the Calvin Institute of Christian Worship at Calvin University. Um, my role there uh, is to run a brand new program called the Ministry Leadership Cohort. Uh, and I'm going to give a little plug on that in a minute, but first I'm going to have Paul introduce himself. Yeah, sure. So I'm Paul Ryan, and I serve as worship pastor at Calvin University, uh, where I direct our daily chapel program. We have chapels uh, Monday through Friday, as well as a Sunday evening worship service. And then I mentor a small team of students, uh, six to eight a year, called Worship Apprentices. Um, who uh, receive two weeks of training before classes begin. We have uh, weekly meetings as well as uh, ongoing mentoring throughout the year. Um, and then they are my point leaders for six teams of volunteer musicians who lead on a rotating basis throughout the year. <coughs> and then this past fall I started leading, uh, directing our campus choir on campus as well. So um, I've been working at Calvin for uh, now this is uh, over 16 years. Tim, right here, Tim was one of my first worship apprentices. I think you were maybe only like five years younger than me at the time, <laughs> which was really intimidating when I first started. He was much more talented than I was too. Um, so I've been working with uh, student worship leaders and mentoring them for that, that entire time that I've been at Calvin. Uh, well, what is the Calvin Institute of Christian Worship? Let me start there. Um, CICW, we call it for short, uh, is a, a study center at Calvin that exists for the study and renewal of worship. And that takes many forms. Um, but the two, two that are most applicable to you who may have students that you are involved with are our annual symposium on worship and this brand new program called the Ministry Leadership Cohort. So if you, how many of you are from a high school context? Middle school? Any elementary school? Alright, well, some people have multiple roles. So uh, the, the worship symposium, briefly, we offer a a scholarship um, to high schools who would like to bring students. So there's a very uh, reasonable student rate, and then we offer reimbursement for your travel expenses. So um, that's all I'm going to say about that right now, but if you want to do that and you haven't heard about it before, you don't know who to contact, just talk to me afterwards. Um, but I want to give you a little bit more on the Ministry Leadership Cohort. This is a brand new program for incoming Calvin University students. It's a program in which we are spending two years together as a community of about 25 students exploring what it means to uh, have a leadership role in the church. And I'm not talking about just pastors or staff people, but um, I'm talking about people like you who I suspect have um, some roles play in your church, whether that is leading worship, being a Sunday school teacher, being on some sort of um, committee. Uh, the church needs its regular people to help, it, to help it fulfill God's mission. And so we identify students as they're coming into Calvin who will receive um, a more intense, intentional process that involves courses, but also mentoring and um, leadership opportunities to um, engage in this process. Uh, we have this, I have to remind myself of the tagline, so. We, with them, we, the tagline we give them is explore how your unique gifts can be used and intersect with God's work in the world. So we, uh, they all have a role to play, and we want to equip them for that. But what we need is for you to help us identify students who, who would be good for that program. So, um, you know, sometimes students need, they need people to um, affirm the gifts that you see in them. Affirm what, what it is that you see going well. What, what are they good at? Um, and that's when they, they really grasp onto, you know, oh, I, I can do this. I can be involved. Um, and so you're probably doing that already in your context. And so, you know, we'd love for you to identify those students to us so we can continue the work that you have started um, in your context. So uh, we have a little, uh, it's an advertisement, essentially, that Luke has in the back. If you're interested, he's just going to hand them out and... Um, if you're, if you're in elementary school, maybe hand them to your high school counterpart, um, or 
know, start planning now for those wonderful 10-year-olds. Um, as we continue, are you all able to access, there's supposed to, there's a handout that you're supposed to be able to access online? I just accessed it. So you go to uh, the CEA, the, the convention website, which I just Googled CEA convention 2019 and it took me to the website. CEAteachers.org, that's the website. And then um, if you go to convention and then session handouts, woo we are session number 46, 46. And that will bring you to our handout. So the first thing we first thing we'd like to do together is actually an interactive exercise uh, that I do with with my students at the beginning of the year um, in our in our training. And uh, it involves lights going up and down and up and down. And every time it happens, every time it goes up, you say, Amen. And every time it goes down, you go into a posture of lament. And then <laughs> So um, the exercise I want you to do is it involves actually breaking up into groups of three, no more than four. So um, we're spread out a little bit here in the room. And I think this will be helpful if we can actually break up into smaller groups because we're going to do a lot of small group uh, conversation throughout our, our hour today. Um, but you can break up in groups in just a moment. But this is an exercise that I use um, because uh, all of us definitely have students that are coming from a variety of worship backgrounds, maybe traditions or cultures. And especially when you're starting to mentor uh, a group of students or even just a few students together, um, they all have different perspectives on what worship should be or what worship is like. Oftentimes they, they, they have a sort of sense of what is good worship, what is right worship, and they're bringing those perspectives into that mentoring relationship. And so this is an exercise that I use to help get everyone to start talking um, about their perspectives on worship. But it's also an opportunity for uh, the, the, the group or the, the students together to, to listen to the differences of perspective and the differences of background that people bring with them into worship. And so it's a, a good starting point, and I think it's a, uh, maybe a good starting point for us here in this room, too, as we all come from a, a variety of, of worship backgrounds and perspectives. So, so um, what I'm going to have you do in just a moment is to break up into groups of three, and if we have a, a straggler, maybe a, a group of four uh, or two if we need it. Um, and then you're going to have, it's on your handout, but I can write them up on the, on the whiteboard here, or the, the sheet, um, if any of you can access the handout. But you're going to have uh, three different events. One group's going to have potluck, an AA meeting, a music concert. Another group is going to have yoga class, a romantic date, or a civil rights march or protest. And I have you ask the question, how is worship, how is worship like this event? But also, how is worship not like this event? Um, and then through that, uh, listen to each other, and then we'll talk to each other uh, about that. All right? So break up into some groups of three. Again, find, find some people next to you. Um, if you don't know each other, introduce yourself. Yeah, we do four here, three, three, three. And let's have, let's do it this way. So let's make you guys group, uh, you'll take the first three, group one. You guys take group two, group one, group two. All right, since we have four groups. That way you're not listening in on the group next to you. All right? So I'll give you about ten minutes to do this together. All right? Ready, set, go. Thank you.
then you go to go
we're imitating. Um, so worship can be somewhat of like a very like we're up front, we're dictating, and you're there and you're following. Um, we also know that for yoga, you need um, special clothes and similar for church sometimes. <laughs> Does this group, you guys have anything about yoga? We said the same thing as okay. far as uh, leadership. Yeah. Everybody kind of doing the same thing together. Yeah. And we said you need to be flexible too. <laughs> and I know with, with yoga, the, 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 the times that I participated in, in yoga, oftentimes there's a, a similar pattern. You start with particular kinds of moves, and you work into more difficult moves, and then you have your cool down at the end. You're, you know, namaste, and you know, you kind of sit down and have that quiet time where you're snoring, whatever. But there's a pattern to it, and oftentimes worship has a, a pattern that you're following, that you're being led through. I, I've never yeah. thought about yoga having a pattern like that, but yeah. it does, and I yeah. think that's the case for a lot of people in worship too. They do it; they don't really think about the pattern that it has, but they're still participating in it every time. Yeah. And I think yoga, too, along with flex- flexibility, has this physicality to it. Is worship has a physicality to it, whether that is like in terms of your gestures or even just the very minimum of their postures, sitting, standing, you know, depending on your tradition. I'm not very good at yoga, but I still go, go sometimes. And they, you know, I can do things not as well as some other people, but they make their space for everybody to engage at their, wherever they are. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. And so a good yoga teacher too will give you different uh, options. Like so, if you can't do the, the the tree, you know, thing like that, we'll say, well, just you know, kind of do this, you know, or they, you know, the arms up like that, and put your knee down. And I think worship at its best can be accommodating to varying abilities that people have as well. Options. I like the idea of a worship leader. Like, raise your hands. But if you're not comfortable with that, just take the bow. Way that worship's not like a like a yoga class. <clears throat> you said that the purpose of yoga is usually intrinsic. Um, yeah. You're looking to center yourself right. and look into yourself, whereas with worship, you're um, putting your focus on something that is outside of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good contrast. Yeah. Others. Worship can be spontaneous in some senses. Um, sure. Participation. Um, yoga isn't necessarily. Is it yeah. All right. All right. How about uh, an AA meeting? How was worship like an AA meeting? Yeah, no, um, it focuses on uh, how we're broken mm-hmm. and dealing with that. There's a vulnerability that's there. And knowing that we're sinners in need of grace. Jen's also got mutual support from the Right? Yeah. Moments of, of times of prayer where we care for each other and worship. We might sing a song that is comforting or healing. Times of honest lament or confession. Yeah, like raw emotion. Yeah, right. I've been actually working through uh, uh, John Workberg out at uh, Menlo Church um, in California. It's, actually using it to 12 steps of AA and is patterning uh, sort of different practices that the church has um, as, as a way of way of following Christ and patterning those after the, the 12 steps of AA. Um, it's been interesting to see those connections between the, the big book of AA as well as with the worship of the Christian life. Any ways that it's not like an AA meeting? I guess you said again the, the goal is different than the primary <coughs> maybe not necessarily just about us and our work, just how we're going to become better people. Sure, now we're focused just about our improvement, our accountability. 
I think in A you have your you, you worship or you, you acknowledge a higher power, but in, in worship we're very specific about who that higher power is. We talked about not um, like in A there could like, like there could be a pressure to share or a pressure to be open. Right. In worship you can't it just has to happen. You, you can't force that. Sure. Sure. And, and, and actually, that's interesting. You might have depends on your tradition. There are some where they're sort of like you're going to share, right? And you're going to almost feel like there is some pressure there. Maybe that can be good pressure depending on the culture or the context. But then in other settings, they're sort of like you know, please don't force me to say anything. You know, I'm a vulnerability, you know, concealer. You know, uh, so yeah. How about um, a romantic date? <coughs> Worship like a romantic date. We, we had like a con, contrast because I, from a guy's perspective, they're like, I have to prepare and plan. And I was like, it's very emotional. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. But yeah, worship can be that way in a sense of, uh, especially if you're maybe a worship planner, you're thinking about preparing. Um, the, the, the plan for the service, how people are going to show up, how things are going to happen, the sequence of actions, and there's some anxiety, there's some stress that there that's there. Or from the perspective of a participant, you're thinking, you know, what are the emotions that are going to be there? And how many we feel in the circumstance? This confession maybe hit me really hard, or this praise was really uplifting. Nobody sings to each other. How's it not like a romantic date? We did say singing. Plus, it's music theater or something. <laughs> and fewer people involved. Fewer people fewer involved. People. Yeah, yeah. Worship's more like a group date. One on one with like, and, and you hear that sometimes with worship, it's about me and Jesus. It's one on one encounter. Well, it is personal, but it's also communal. A whole group of people. It's God at work among all of us together. How about a music concert? talked about that uh, it's a, a performance you know there's a there's a divide between performer okay. and, and attendee mm -hmm. just kind of receiving the performance there's generally in worship there's someone up front who is leading music who's prepared it um, is maybe has some expertise in leading it and then there's different roles too so the congregation is there to receive or participate as the person's leading so there's a difference between the individuals. Mm -hmm. I think we said some other things. There are music involved. You can lift your spirits. Sure. Sure. There's all kinds of different music that's involved in worship. So you might go to a music concert, it might be a country music concert, it might be a, a rock music concert, maybe classical music. There's different kinds of, of music, and there's different kinds of music that happens within the church as well. Styles of genres. Last one, civil rights march or protest. How is it not like a music concert? Oh, did you have something to add to that? How is it not like a music concert? Well, a music concert is there to entertain the audience. Yeah. Where in the worship service, the music is centered towards God. It right. should be centered towards right. God and right. making up the yeah. community of believers right. towards their right. with, and dialogue with God. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. You, know, be, you know, to be careful that the music at 
church doesn't become a concert and an audience. And, and I think that's an important piece in, in mentoring worship leaders as well. And sometimes there's this desire to be up in front of everyone with your guitar or just saying and so forth, and it's, it's, not, it's not about you or about receiving attention or approval from others. Yeah, we had that as a contrast okay. between that a concert being a performance and worship being a corporate Yeah. So last one, Civil Rights March or protest? Connections there? United in purpose. Yeah, united in purpose. Yeah. something like this with uh, with your students. Let's write them up on the board here. Yeah. One thing I like to um, have people experience about uh, the aspect of worship is compare it to a play. Mm. And in a play you have actors, a director, and an audience. Mm. Mm -hmm. And if you ask students who those are, they usually get them wrong. In worship service, uh -huh. the actors are us. Yeah, they will, you know, they will say that the minister is the actor, uh -huh. and they will say that the director is God, and actually it's the minister that's, and the people who have coordinated the worship service are the ones that are directing, and they say we're the audience instead of God is the audience. Right. To use those three things. Sure. Sure. People to what is the aspect of you know world worship? Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Great, I love that analogy. Yeah, I can keep extending too. So, right. to act, like, how are you enacting worship? What is the drama of the Bible? What's the yeah? What's the script you use? Yeah, you could link to that. Yeah, right. Yeah, those are good. Any other events come to mind? For high schoolers, definitely sporting events. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> For middle schoolers, too. Yeah. I'm not sure where the metaphor would go, but it would be something yeah. that would relate to right. immediately. Yeah, yeah. Would you use soccer or volleyball or basketball or just any? You just can leave it open? Yeah, just a sporting event. Yeah, I like that. With college students, I talked about sporting events because it's the only way, um, the only other place I can think of where a group of people will sing together. Hmm. Take me out to the ball game. Yeah, right, the, right. Otherwise, yeah. we don't sing communally, really. Yeah, that's good. One more? Any other ones? So, um, moving on, what, um, so I hope that maybe the exercise could be helpful to you in having just starting a conversation about worship with your students. Um, but then just talking specifically about different practices of mentoring young worship leaders and practices of 
of, of leading in prayer or leading a song or choosing songs or um, a running a rehearsal, uh, reading, uh, reading scripture in worship. Um, so how many of you actually, you have, you have your, your students are involved in, in leading worship and planning the, the chapel service? What kinds of things do they generally do when they're participating? So in, in the leading of chapel, what kinds of things do you have them do? So open and close with prayer? Okay. The with a benediction that students will pick up your verse. Oh, okay. Yeah. Read, speak, read, a, read, a, read a benediction. Okay. Yeah. Scripture reading. Scripture reading. Musicians. Okay. And, by the end of the year, some of the students will actually like give a little bit of a testimony or talk. Okay, okay. So some speaking in worship. Testimonies. Sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. So, um, so with my uh, my six worship apprentices, I ask each one of them um, to share uh, for no more than three minutes on a video. Um, what their experience is with a given practice, um, what have they learned as a worship apprentice this year, um, how do they prepare to lead that practice or to do that practice, and then what advice would they give to someone else learning that. Um, so, uh, and, and these are... For some reason, so this is this is Watson. So we have all these. We do have all these wah puns. Worship apprentice wah. Um, everything's is a wah office. Um, it, this is the wah office. That's Watson. Um, they they do all these things with Tim. You remember? You guys started like. Yeah, we had a waffle. You had a waffle. So anyway, this is Watson. I don't know why Watson is in, is in all the videos. He's, he's a common theme. Um, Sherlock is in my office, and then Watson's in their office. Um, so uh, each so each of my students um, had a chance to share a little bit, and then so I want to watch one of these, and then I'll have you just in small groups uh, share together about what some challenges that you faced in in, in uh, mentoring a young person in that practice. What um, what successes you've had, uh, but then also if there are any resources uh, that you use. Uh, we'll point you to some resources on the handout as well. So this is uh, Plinio, and uh, Plinio is from Guatemala, and uh, hopefully you can hear this well enough. Um, and Plinio is going to be sharing about uh, leading in prayer. Hello everyone, I'm Plinio Rosales, I'm from Guatemala, and this year I'm serving here at the University as a worship I'm going to speak about leading prayer. So, what was my experience before coming to the university and training as a well? Uh, and leading in prayer, I will say that I used to lead in my youth group a lot. And nonetheless, I didn't prepare at all. It was something spontaneous. And I didn't acknowledge the Trinity as well as I should have acknowledged the Trinity. was always saying just God, 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 God. And also I repeat myself a lot. So it was like, God, thank you for this. 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 That was my prayer. Uh, nonetheless, I have learned a lot here. And one of those things is how to acknowledge the Trinity. Uh, like, you have to direct the prayer to a specific person of the training and try to make the, your prayer as most, most mostly Trinitarian as you can. And also, I have learned how, that you have to prepare your prayer beforehand. It's not something that you should, well, you can come spontaneously, but I have learned that it's also a good idea to prepare your prayer beforehand. And one of the one of the models that we learned here at Turret in the training is the collect prayer, which starts with the name of, of with the name of the person you're in knowledge of the training. Um, an example of that name in the Bible, your petition, and the reason why you want God to make that petition true. Um, now, how do I prepare myself? I've made the prayer before I have paper, and I try to read it. And and what advice would I give? I will say that it's important to acknowledge the Trinity in, the, in your prayer and make <coughs> the prayer to specifically to one person, but make it Trinitarian. And also prepare beforehand. It's, it's a good tip.
So in your groups again, uh, please discuss what challenges that you've had mentoring your students in leading in prayer. What successes have you had? We will, you are all very experienced and we'd love to learn from each other. And then um, do you have any home run resources that you go to for this when you're teaching students to lead in
Um, I've also learned that I'm just not the type of person who can get up and think about what I'm going to say and say a perfectly eloquent thing to sound wonderful. And so the number one thing that I've learned to do is to prepare what I'm going to say. And for me, that looks like typing it out and printing it out and standing up and practicing in front of the mirror, reading what I'm going to say and practicing my inflections and where I'm going to pause and look down at the paper. Um, I probably like to do snatch and speak. So you look down at the paper, you get a sentence, and then you look up at the congregation while you're saying it, or you look down again so that you're not just staring into the paper while you read. My number one tip for you, if you are speaking worship and you're a little bit nervous about it, would be to prepare and practice in advance so that you can be as eloquent and as fluent as possible with as few ums and lights and weird pauses as you can. Alright, well, Paul comes up the next one. I just want to let you know that, um, can I tell them what you emailed me? Oh, sure. So when Paul's at this to me, he said, watching these is, is kind of humbling as these students mentor. Um, so we recognize that they're all, you know, on a journey, that you journey with the students all year long. Also, these students have only been worship apprentices for seven weeks at Calvin University. So this is, they keep talking about, I've learned so much, um, and they're going to learn so much more because they still have almost a whole year of learning to do. So this is students who are early on their journey. This, right. is, this is Judah. He's uh, originally from uh, southern India. Hello, my name is Judah. Um, I'm serving as a lot this semester. Um, my experience with reading scripture in a service um, before becoming a lot, I didn't have very much experience. I was, um, I was scared to read verses in front of me. But something I've learned this year is uh, something very practical. It's actually a piece of myself for reading scripture. Um, Um, I prepare usually by reading by myself or wearing in the mirror so that I know what my facial expressions look like um, and I know how I sound as well. Um, so yeah, any advice that I would give, I think definitely practice before you have to do it in front of So um, how many of you as well? challenges you face either with speaking in worship or reading scripture in worship. Uh, what successes have you had and then are there any resources that can help them to you? Ready, set, go. <coughs> Yeah, 
kids too, it's tricky on both sides of it because you know, the kids that are in the chapel, you know, like, like a parent of the whole congregation is used to them. The yeah. Yeah. No, and then there's always that group of kids who are just Oh, well, I was also going to say that when the Take 30 seconds to wrap up. Just making sure that they plan to do it. And I can do it. Because they find they might say something that is not theologically. Alright, let's hear um, what maybe what is the the challenge that you have experienced? What was the, what's the most challenging thing when preparing students to lead um, to speak or to read scripture? I just I work with eighth graders, so I've had them just I'm sharing that I've had hey like I ask girl I think is super responsible and like I think you're ready like I'd love for you to welcome people to chapel. She prepares and she says welcome to chapel. After a few months, they start thinking, oh, I'm good, and then they get kind of complacent, and you can tell that there's more ums slipping into what they're saying. Yeah, so just the the importance of that was confirmed by you guys. Yeah, I always struggled with college students, um, how much to tell them to you, right? Like, you're intelligent, adult, almost adult people. Like, I don't need to tell you what to do, and then my learning was like, oh no, I really do. <laughs> right, and they appreciate that too, or else they feel like they're kind of like And sometimes, sometimes they kind of, I think they have the experience at church of a pastor who can just go up there and speak yeah. off the cuff, yeah. and they have dreams of being that person themselves. Yes. But they don't see the steps that the yeah. pastor has yeah. to take when they're right there. And so we have to show them. Get there. Yeah. Um, recently, we at the Worship Institute published an article on our website about mentoring worship leaders. And one of the people is someone I've worked with um, who is in a, in a gigantic Catholic church in California. And he has this model of like, watch me do it, do it with me. I watch you do it, you do it yourself, so that there's like, you, they have sort of help along the way, you're giving them progressively more um, responsibility without just like throwing them out there. Yeah. Right, we have like five minutes left, maybe less than that, four. Um, so we want to give you a chance to ask your burning questions in four minutes. Um, so, do you have a question? Or I do have a question. <laughs> um, so, I try to. Uh, make the chapel program open to any student who would like to be involved. I want it to be as much of a community thing as possible. Um, what is, what's your wisdom or thoughts on if a student's excited to be involved in a, in, a, in a worship setting, but their skill level isn't where you feel like they're ready to be a part of the chapel situation? Yeah, or whatever that yeah, is. yeah. Um, one thing that you can do is think about the um, difference between, say, a choir and a soloist. So choir is a large group of people where you can have people of varying abilities, and then all together they can perform.
form something that can be meaningful and edifying for the, for the group. Um, whereas a soloist needs to have a little bit more specific training, needs to have a better ear, you're going to give them a microphone that's scary, they're really the center of attention, and so forth. So I wonder if the, taking that model into different situations, so if you're going to have a reading of scripture, have ten people read scripture, or five people read it together, or set up like a chorus reading where you have an individual say a line, and then you have four or five people together say a line. So it's a, it's a way for them to get the experience of being up front, of getting over the nerves of being in front of people, and then participating, and then in time you might see some budding talent come up. I think the same thing is true with um, playing, even if you, with, if you have a guitarist and bass player and drummer, those kinds of things. Um, I, I think it's perfectly appropriate to have like a few guitarists up there, and maybe one of them is the one that's got them plugged in, right? But the other two are up there; they're still playing, and you, you're honest with them. It's like we're not going to plug you in yet. We don't think you're quite there yet, but we want you to have the experience of participating, and then and then watch them grow. As uh, actually, there's a student in my church, uh, Claire, who started playing guitar in church when she was 12. And that's exactly how she started, and now she's a senior, and she's like a regular regular guitar player for us all the time, and we're like, oh crap, she's moving out of town, you know, that kind of a thing. And so I think if you can think of group situation and then smaller situations, is that... Um, how do you approach feedback with your students? I think, you know, it's a tricky thing, since it's like worship, but then it's also, you, it's kind of a product in some way, so... And... So this is something we actually spent some time talking about um, during training. We talk about um, giving and receiving feedback. So we talk about as a group, like what kinds of virtues do we need when a team member comes to you and they here's the worship service that they've planned and they're really excited about it. Uh, what kinds of virtues do you need in order to give them good feedback? And so we talk about, like, say two positive things before you say one negative thing. Or if you don't like something, you know, ask first, like, um, help me understand why you've planned this or why you did that. So give that person an opportunity to talk. And then, and then the same thing with the people who have done something. Whenever I'm evaluating, I'll say, how did it go for you? Tell me, tell me what you thought you did really well. What are the things that you, if you were to do it all over again... What might you have done differently? So that gives them an opportunity to air out things they're already anxious about, the things they knew that didn't go very well. But then I always preface with, you know, can I give you just, can I give you one, one feedback that I think would be really helpful for you the next time? So it's kind of phrases a question. So they can, I've had students who are like, you know what, right now I'm just not in a place that I can receive that, or they don't quite say it that way, but they're just like, can you tell me later? Right, because they're just not ready for it. And so I was asked, is it okay if I give you some feedback on something? Um, and then I'll always sort of say, here's something I think you did really well, and then here's something I think that will, you know, if you were to do it all over again, I might add this little piece to it, and I think it would be really great the next time you do it. Um, at our school, we've, uh, last year we had kind of two girls who, um, well, so our chapel program was kind of headed up by uh, someone in the English department. They led the chapels, but they didn't really do the music portion of it. They just kind of handed it off to students. Um, so these two girls kind of headed it off. They were known as kind of the two main singers in the school, um, and they choose the same people to work with them every time, and people got left out all the time. So this year we're trying something new in which we created about four or five different groups. Um, and then we are mentoring those groups. Um, and so we've tried to kind of plug kids in with different talents within each group. Um, but the kids are trying to understand that. How, why are you putting us in this group with this person? And how do we go about encouraging them, this is why we did this. Um, it, those girls have graduated, so now it feels like we're also starting fresh all over the place. So it's just a whole new ball game. Yeah. 
Yeah. So just to understand, so the, the you've placed the kids in particular groups, mm -hmm. and they're wondering why they're in the group that they're in. Right, and then I we've also put um, a leader in charge of okay. each group as okay. well. And is it clear to them why a particular person is a leader? And I mean, we kind of went according to. Um, uh, their previous ability, okay. like leadership in their own church. Okay. Also, if they want to be a leader, and then okay. they also had to answer some questions okay. about um, what's it like to be in a leadership okay. position. So that's kind of how we chose okay. yeah. those leadership positions. Yeah. Great. Um, but it seems like it's just funky right okay. now, and I'm not sure how to go. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost 320, so I just want to give you permission to leave if you need to, and we'll just continue the conversation. But I, I don't, I want to give you permission.